Welcome and thanks for joining us today on the Abundance Podcast. We'll go ahead and get started in prayer. Well, God, you are awesome. And we thank you for the awesome plan that you have for us, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. And I thank you for the individual word that you'll minister to each person listening. I thank you, Lord, for what you've given us, that you've placed on the inside of us. And I just thank you that we'll gain some understanding of that today. And that will go out and be your hands and feet, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. Well, the title of this series has been, You're Awesome. Because if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, in the Spirit, you're awesome. Okay? It's it's not your flesh that's awesome. It's not your soulish realm. And, and by soulish realm, I'm talking about your mind, your will, your intellect, your emotions. Okay, that part of you isn't awesome. Okay, it can be renewed and and you can get awesomer as time goes on, as you renew your mind to the word of God. But it's your spirit, man, that has been changed. And that's what's been made new. And because of that, in the spirit, you're awesome. So in part one, we looked at how it's important we understand that humility must go hand in hand with understanding who we are in Christ. Because once God begins to use us, when we gain the understanding that we're awesome, there's the potential that we can lose sight of the fact that, you know, the real reason that we're awesome is because he lives inside of you and and, and he lives inside of me. And that's the reason why we're awesome. It's not because of us. So as we go out and we do things for Jesus, it's easy to get caught up in pride and lose sight of the fact that, wow, it's not me. It's Jesus working through me. In part two, we looked at what actually happens in the spirit realm to make us in Christ. And today, to wrap up this series, we're going to look at what are the benefits of being in Christ. And saying that we're in Christ and having benefits, you know, it's not just to have something cute to say, you know, to, to be able to use it in our talks with our Christian friends or just to be able to sing a song. Being in Christ actually has some force behind it. It has weight. It means something. And I believe a large portion of the body of Christ just simply doesn't know what they have on the inside of them. What are the benefits that we've been given? And so I'm going to give you a little warning. You know, I'm excited about that if you can't already tell. I think by the end of this, you're going to be pretty revved up when you begin to see what's already on the inside of you. So one thing we touched on towards the end of the last episode in part two was on the topic of the blessing of God, okay? It's important we understand that every blessing we have is because of the blood of Jesus, okay? It wasn't because of anything you or I did. Jesus is the sole reason for God's blessing, which is his favor on our life. And you may be thinking, well, you know, my life doesn't look very blessed, And one reason you may be thinking that is because, you know, you're looking at the wrong things to try and justify whether or not God's blessing is on your life. Because ultimately, here's God's desire for your and my life. We can find it in 3 John 1, 2. He says, beloved, so you and I are, we've trusted in Jesus, we're his beloved. I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul, your mind, your will, your intellect, your emotions, just as your soul prospers. So if we have any lack in our lives, we need to understand that lack in any area of our life is not God's best, okay? It's not his will for our lives. 
And along with that, if we have an area of our life that is in lack, you know, don't allow the enemy to make you feel condemned about that, okay? We're all on a journey. We're all fighting the good fight of faith. We're all renewing our minds and we're, and we're learning to see things the way that God's word says they are rather than what we can see with our you know, physical eyes and what we hear, you know, all the five senses. We're all, we're all on this journey and we're all learning. So don't allow the enemy to attack you and get you to think, oh, I'm worthless or something like that because I have lack in this life or because I have sickness in my body or whatever the case may be. You, you don't know, okay? But I just want you to understand that it is God's desire for you to prosper in all things, okay? And be in health just as your soul prospers. So in relation to our life not looking, you know, very blessed, it's important we understand that the blessing of God is not in the things we acquire, okay? It's not in like the physical things. It's not the house and the car and the toys that we, you know, buy and the, and, and the, the job and the, the paycheck, you know, it's, it's not in any of those things. The stuff we acquire on this earth is a result of being blessed, okay? And again, the only reason why we are blessed is because we have this incredible loving father that wants us to prosper in all things. The blessing of God is his favor on our life. So to better explain what we're talking about, I want to look at an example in Genesis 39 And I think it'll help us see what I'm talking about here. So Genesis 39, verse 1, it says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. So up to this point, Joseph had been sold into slavery by his brothers. And here we see in this verse that he was bought by Potiphar. Now, what's not really mentioned here is the process of how they bought the slaves. You know, just think about it. If you you go in grocery shopping and you want to buy some fruit, you pick up the bag of fruit or the individual piece of fruit, and you kind of look it over to make sure that it's not moldy or it's not got no big dents or, you know, black spots or something like that. You know what I mean? You, You check it out. And the same thing goes with slaves back in the day what they would do is they would strip them naked and they would have them up on these pedestals or blocks or whatever you want to call it and they would look them over you know making sure that they didn't have any deformities or broken bones or you know basically anything that would affect their ability to perform for them as a slave and so that's what joseph had done to him you know potiphar when he bought him looked him over and made sure that there wasn't anything wrong with him now verse two It says, the Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man. (laughs) And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. This explains what's here. It says the reason why Joseph was a successful man was because the Lord was with him. Okay. And what's crazy is, the Lord was with him and he was a successful man even when he had nothing. Even when he was up on that block being looked at and he was naked, the word says that he was a successful man. And why was that? It was because the Lord was with him. So then this verse goes on to say that his master saw 
the Lord was with them. So my question is, how do you see that the Lord is with someone, you know, especially a slave? Well, this verse also says that everything he did prospered. Okay, so my guess would be that if someone had a slave and everything that that slave did, you know, they did successfully, you know, they'd really stand out. So that's one way that Potiphar was able to see that God was with him, you know, because everything he did was successful. Another way that you could see that God was with Joseph, you know, probably was because of his attitude. You know, he wasn't walking around there all downtrodden and and depressed and defeated. Even as a slave, he wasn't walking around there like, oh, woe is me. You know, I'm a slave. I'm, I've been separated from my family. You know, all the things that he could be complaining about, he wasn't doing that. You could see it in his demeanor. And you know what? If he would have been complaining, you know, you could almost justify that because he was a slave, you know, but, but that just wasn't Joseph. And why is that? Because he knew that God was with him. He had a relationship with God. So he knew that no matter where he was, God would turn all things around to the good. And he wasn't just wishing. He knew it was true. He knew that God was for him. And as a result, they saw the difference in Joseph. Verse 4. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house. And all that he had, he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. So the blessing of God is his favor on your life. And Joseph had so much favor with God that even those around him reaped the benefits of it. You know, that's awesome. Where your favor just seeps out and, and it spills out onto other people. So regardless of your circumstances, in the natural, it's important we recognize that the moment we believe and receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are blessed. And our, you know, quote-unquote blessing level is not determined by the stuff that we acquire. We are blessed, past, present, and future tense. So as we really get into looking at who I am in Christ, I just felt it was important that we kind of went back over that because it's important that we understand that the blessing of God is not in the stuff that we acquire. The blessing of God is his favor on our lives. So here we go. And we're going to go over a lot of scripture today, okay? You know, yeah, I'm going to throw in a little bit here and there to talk about the scriptures, but really, we're just going to machine gun you with some scriptures today. And, you know, you have the ability to pause and go back and, and, and look it up yourself and that sort of thing. So, you know, I'm just going to kind of go one right after another and we're just going to hit the ground running here. John 14, 23 says, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. So Jesus says he's going to make his home in you. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Romans 8.9 
but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. So again, the moment we trusted in Jesus, his spirit literally came and made his home in us. And that's why you and I are awesome. Luke 17, 21, and this is Jesus speaking. Nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. John 14, 20, at that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Ephesians 5, 30, for we are, you know, talking about you and I, members of his body, talking about Jesus, of his flesh and of his bones. Galatians 4, 7, therefore you, okay, that's talking about you and I, are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. And something I feel that will help us to really grasp the importance of no longer being a slave, but a son, uh, is found in Romans. And that's in uh, Romans 6, 16. It says, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? So what I want to point out here is that we see that every person ever born is a slave to something. Okay, We're either a slave to sin, and that leads to death, or we're a slave to the obedience of God, which leads to righteousness. And it's up to you and I which one we choose, okay? It's not up to God. God gave us free will. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows which one we're going to choose. But it's up to you and I if we're going to choose to be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or a slave to obedience of God leading to righteousness. Then verse 18 goes on to say, And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. So again, You're going to be a slave to either one. But why do we become a slave to righteousness? It's because we become in Christ. John 15, 5, and this is Jesus speaking. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, talking about Jesus, abides in me and I in him, him being you and I, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And you know what? The best part of this verse is that once you've trusted in Jesus, you're never without him. You know, his spirit lives on the inside of you. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. So even when we don't have the feelings, <laughs> you know, we do something stupid or for whatever reason, the feelings and the emotions aren't there. That doesn't mean that God has left you. Okay. He's still right there. We need to, man, we, we need to not be so focused on our emotions our emotions could be dried up. And in that moment, we could know that doesn't matter. God is with me, whether I feel it or not. Okay. And that's a good place to be. When Timothy looked at Jesus's pierced hands and his feet and the, you know, the hole in his side, you know, and then he believed or no, that was Thomas, Thomas, that's doubting Thomas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, It wasn't Timothy. But when, when Thomas did that, what did Jesus say? He says, blessed are you because you see and believe, but blessed are those who will not see, but will believe. Okay. 
In order for us to know and believe that God is with us, that he's for me, he's never against me, in order for me to know that, Jesus is showing us that, you know, your emotions don't have to be involved in this. Your sight doesn't have to be involved in it. We can walk by faith and not by sight. Next verse we're going to look at is 2 Corinthians 5, 20 through 21. And actually in part one, we covered verses 13 through 21, but we're going to use this verse 20 through 21 again. It says, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. So just like it plainly says, you and I are ambassadors for Christ. It's not talking about those back in Bible times. It's talking about everyone who's in him right now. Verse 20, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So you and I are the righteousness of God right now. And I understand that that may be hard to receive because of some of the teaching that we've you know, heard all growing up. But when you and I trusted in Jesus, we are the righteousness of God right now. Colossians 1, 21 through 22. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now... He has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you, talking about you and I, holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. So you and I have been made holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. And how is that? It's through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. It's important to understand that our works had nothing to do with it. Psalm 103.12, to go along with that, says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So that right there, that'll blow your mind. <laughs> That's awesome. So God sees us holy, blameless, and above reproach because he's removed our sins from us. You know, th Think about it like this. Let's use planet Earth as an example. The reason why God didn't say as far as the north is from the south is because if you go north and you go, you're go you going around the world, even though it's a long distance, eventually you'll reach a point where you reach you know the top of the earth and you keep going, you keep going, and eventually you're going to start going south again. But if you go east or west, you'll never stop. You know, Meaning if you just start going east, you just keep going around and around and around. You can go around the whole world millions of times but you'll never reach the point where there's like a drop-off because if you go east, you just keep on going and vice versa for west. There is no end point is what I'm trying to say for going east or west. It's infinite, you know, and that, well, as far as we know. So in relation to sin, your past, present, and even future sins aren't even being considered by God. And why is that? Again, because he sees us holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. That's awesome. <laughs> now, next we're going to look at some verses that talk about how God has already given us everything we'll ever need for this life. And again, why is it? It's because of who we are in Christ. John 3, 34. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God does not give the Spirit by measure. Okay? It's important we understand that 
every believer has the same amount of Holy Spirit in them as Jesus did. And I know that may sound like blasphemy because <laughs> Jesus was God in the flesh, but we have the same amount of Holy Spirit that Jesus did. Okay, the only difference is Jesus knew how to use it by faith and we're still learning. But again, we don't get differing amounts. You know, your pastor, even though he's preaching, doesn't get a different amount of Holy Spirit than you do. Colossians 1.19 For it pleased, okay, it pleased the Father that in him, you know, and that's, again, that's talking about being in Jesus, in Christ, all the fullness should dwell. So in him, in Jesus, is all of the fullness. Let's follow that up with John 1.16. And of his fullness, we have, okay, talking about you and I, we have all received in grace for grace. So Jesus has the fullness, and because we're in him, we have the fullness also. Colossians 2, 9 through 10. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him. Okay, you and I. You are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. Whoo, man. If you don't watch it, this will get you, get you excited. <laughs> Romans 8, 31 through 32. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him, and again, with him, referring to being in him, also freely give us all things? Ephesians 1, 22 through 23. Again, I know I'm throwing a lot of scripture at you, but why not? <laughs> why not want more word? Okay, I know there may be a time where I'll grow in the way that I deliver what the word says. I mean, but right now, man, these these scriptures are so awesome. Why not? Why not hear them all? You know, and and you know, I, actually, I don't have them all. I, I don't, you know, I didn't take a year off to try and figure out every single verse that deals with this stuff. I just talking about the ones that I'm aware of. Ephesians 1, 22 through 23. And he, talking about Jesus, he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. So the church is you and I, okay? All things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Again, the Christian life is not about going to God, praying and asking to get more from him. Okay, that's not what it's about. The Christian life is about understanding what we already have, what's already been placed inside of us. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. But you, you and I, are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, <laughs> that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, talking about you and I, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Romans 8, 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us, in you and I. We have the glory inside of us. 
Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Okay, and that's a pretty popular verse right there. Okay, we know that God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you or I ask or think. You know, praise God. But that's not where that verse stops. There's not a period there. It continues on. It says, according to the power that works in us. Okay? The power is in us. Jesus isn't holding out on us. Okay? He gave you and I the fullness. He gave you and I power. And it's the power that works in us. So again, I know I've said this a bunch of times, but you and I have already been given the fullness of God. We didn't just get a pinch of it. You know, he didn't just give us a little tiny bit of the Holy Spirit to help us get through this life. And also, the same Holy Spirit we have on us now is the same amount of the Holy Spirit we'll have in heaven. Okay, we're not going to get to heaven and get a new spirit. So we won't get more once we're in heaven. We have the fullness right now. And that is why you're awesome. So let's continue looking at the benefits that come with having God's blessing on our lives. Because, you know, that all has to do with who we are in Christ. And again, because God's blessing is not in the things we acquire, but rather his favor on our lives, here are some verses that tell us how blessed we are. And I want to take a look at some verses in the Old Testament, uh, particularly Deuteronomy 28. But before we read this, it's important to understand that these verses were written under the Old Covenant, okay? In the Old Testament, in a time where God's blessing was restricted by man's obedience, okay? It was conditional. And what I mean is, back then, if someone did good, they got good, okay? And if they did bad, they got bad. But now for us in the New Covenant, Jesus has redeemed us from the curse of the law. We don't deserve any of these benefits. Jesus paid for them all, but he has freely given them to us once we've trusted in Jesus. So the first 14 verses here are going to be the blessings. And if you read past that, and it goes up into the verse 60s-ish, I think it's 68 or something like that. I don't know exactly. And I think there's even some more examples of it past that. But those are the curses. And again, we have been set free from the curse of the law. So in this new covenant, we're blessed. So Deuteronomy 28, verse 1. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. So again, that's that conditional part of this old covenant where you do good, you get good, you do bad, you get bad. Okay, we're not under that. Verse 2. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. So here we go. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. All the things that you need in this life, you've been blessed and God provides it. Verse 5, blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. Okay, he's always with you. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. (laughs) 
They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. Whew, man. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses, okay, like in your uh, your bank accounts. And I'm sure there could be other applications. And in all to which you set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God has given you. So he's going to bless you at your job. He's going to bless you at your home. He's going to bless you at everything that your hand touches. Now, that's God's plan. That doesn't automatically happen. We can be cursing everything with our words, everything that God has intended for, <laughs> intended to do for us. If we're going around saying, oh, you know, I, I never succeeded anything. Oh, I'm a failure. Well, the word says you're going to have what you say. Okay. So our words need to line up with what this verse is saying. Verse nine, the Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you. If you keep the commandments of the Lord, your God and walk in his ways. Then all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by my name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, and in the produce of your ground, in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give you the rain to your land in its season, and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath if you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today and are careful to observe them. So you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day to the right or the left to go after other gods to serve them. So again, when we receive Jesus, we are blessed. We don't have the conditional aspect of this where we have to do good in order to get good. And if we do bad, we get bad. Okay. Now, to go along with that, there are times when we can do something stupid and we can open up the door for the enemy to come in and wreak havoc in our lives. Okay. So we come running back to God. We shut that door on the enemy and God's blessing and his favor will continue on. It's not that he ever took it away from you. It's that we opened up a door and we allowed that other stuff to come in. Okay. So God's not, God's not giving and taking away. Okay. <laughs> we are blessed. And his desire is that you prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So now that we've seen what's inside of us, you know, what, what now? You know, do we just sit around soaking up the blessing and the favor of God? You know, that is an option. But here's what I want to show you guys is that God has called you and I to be ambassadors for him. Okay. To be his hands and feet. So what does that look like? Okay. And I'm not trying to put God in a box or, you know, what God will ask you to do. I'm not trying to put that in a box. I'm just, I'm just trying to make you aware that there's more. Okay. And this is going to kind of drift over into kind of like authority in that. And, and, and I think they just go hand in hand in hand. But anyways, I just want to show you what options are out there, you know, because God wants us. Well, how, how does he say it? He says, faith without works is dead. Okay. And, you know, a lot of times it's geared towards financial giving, but, you know, he gives us plenty, so much so that it 
bubbles out and it overflows. And I'm not getting the, you know, hopefully you get the the scripture reference that I'm trying to talk about. But God gives to us, not so that we can just be like, oh, gimme, 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 my name's Timmy, you know. I mean, what's some of the parables that Jesus talks about? He says, you know, with the coins, the talents, how the one man got his and he went and he hit it in the ground and he didn't do anything with it. And then when the owner come back and asked for it, he brought it to him and and showed him it was just, it was still there. It's my one talent. Whereas the other ones had five and they turned it into 10. And the other one, and I don't know if I'm getting my numbers right, but had two and he turned it into four. You know what I mean? They produced with it. Faith without works is dead. They put action and and and, and this isn't a do more message, okay? <laughs> you know, God doesn't love you any, God doesn't love the people that do more, excuse me, you know, however you say that that do a lot for him. He doesn't love them any more than he loves you, okay? But man, he wants us to be active in these last days. You and I are a chosen generation. We're a royal priesthood. He has placed us here in these last days because we're going to see the greatest harvest that this world has ever seen. And it comes through an understanding of who I am in Christ. And now that we've thrown a million scriptures at you and you see it, you see that you have the fullness you see that you have the power of God on the inside of you. And again, you don't got to have it all figured out. God works by seed time and harvest. I mean, it's great if you go out and you can do something super big for God, but you know what? God works with growth little bit by little bit. You know, can you stand in the face of someone who's being mean to him and, and be kind to them? That's a pretty big step right there. And I don't want to minimize that, but... Sometimes we just think that, oh, I'm just going to go right to raising people from the dead or I'm going to go lay my hands on someone and and, and a leg's going to grow, you know, praise God for those miracles, you know what I'm saying? But can we do the simple things? Can we love the way that Jesus did? And again, that's not to minimize that. So what I'm trying to say is that don't feel like you got to go from zero, not knowing any knowledge about who I am in Christ to now that you've been aware of it all of a sudden going to hero, okay? Just be open to, wow, this is mine. I have it already. God, how do you want to use me? <laughs> and situations will come across your path. And once you're done, you'll look back at him and be like, wow, God, thank you. You'll, sign, you'll find so much fulfillment in it. Man, um, yeah. But anyways, what I want to do here is I want to make us aware of the fact that there is more. You know, we shouldn't just sit on our butts and soak up the blessing of God and have his favor on his life. And, you know, God wants us to give into every good work. He wants us to bless other people so they, they can see, wow, I don't even believe in God, but that person would have no idea that I needed that money to pay this bill. So there's got to be something going on. I, I got to ask them. I got to find out what they have. Okay. And it doesn't have to be monetarily. But anyways, you get the point. So let's let's go ahead. Let's, let's look at what comes with being an ambassador for Christ. Okay, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. 
Amen. And in Mark, we see a different account of pretty much what he just said. But there's a couple other things that are in Mark's account that are added to it. And that's in Mark 16, 15 through 18. And he, talking about Jesus, said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So how will all those signs follow those who believe? It'll come through the understanding of who we are in Christ. And after hearing some of those things that were just listed there, an argument that comes up by believers is that, you know what, I agree with that, but that was for the 12 disciples. You know, that was for those back in Bible times. And you know what, part of that is true. It was for the 12 disciples. In Matthew 10.1, we see that it says, And when he had called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. And then Jesus goes on to say in verse 8, he says, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Okay. And something I want to point out here is, Jesus did this before his death, burial, and resurrection. So, you know, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit didn't come and make his home in the disciples yet. But Jesus still gave them power to go out and cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, all these things. But here's the key. Jesus never intended for it to be just something available only to those 12 disciples. In Luke 10.1, it says, After these things the Lord appointed 70 others also, and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. So he sent them out, gave them authority and power, and then it says here in Luke 10.17-19, it says, Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So not only did the 12 disciples go out, but 70 others went out and had authority and power as well. And that is what's available to us even today. If you go back and listen to the very first episode I did, on this podcast, and it was entitled The Holy Spirit Upon, we go over how Jesus told his disciples that they would receive power when the Holy Spirit came upon them. Okay, And this was after his, his death, burial, and resurrection. And what I want to point out is that because this was after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, they had believed in Jesus, so they had the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Okay, They were born again. But another thing, and I'm kind of, you know, giving you a little teaser to what we talked about in there, but Jesus actually told them to not go anywhere. And this is found in Acts 1, verse 4. It says, And being assembled together with them, 
Jesus, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. And then verse 8, it says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So these disciples had the best news in the world. And we see in these other verses, like we just read about in Luke and in Matthew, that they had already operated in power and authority. Jesus dies, comes back to life, and is there in front of them and tells them, don't, don't do nothing. Don't go anywhere. Don't leave Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, what that's referring to is one of the two additional experiences available for a born-again believer, okay? First, someone has to trust in Jesus, okay? They have to be born again. But Jesus also gave additional instructions, and, and he doesn't say that there in Acts specifically, but one instruction was to be water baptized, okay? The second one, not in order of importance or it doesn't have to be in this order, you don't have to be water baptized first, but a separate experience where a believer receives power is when the Holy Spirit comes upon them, okay? Otherwise known as the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And again, that's not to be confused with water baptism, okay? So I just want to encourage you to go back and listen to that. It was a four-part series. But that is when we receive the power to do some of the things that we're talking about. And God wants you to be fully equipped to go out and be ambassadors for him. So I want to leave you with a couple final scriptures. Psalm 90, verse 7. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Proverbs 28, 1. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous, you and I, are bold as a lion. Romans 8, 37. Yet in all these things, we, talking about you and I, are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 1 John 4, 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Man, all these scriptures we looked at today are just so jam-packed. So I just want to encourage you to not buy into some of the religious teaching out there that tries to tell you that you're worthless, you know, that you're nothing, that you're a worm, okay? It's not true. Now, the thing is, yes, in and of yourself, you're nothing. But when you've trusted and made Jesus the Lord of your life, which makes you now in him, okay, in your spirit, you're awesome. And Jesus' desire for you and I is that we take advantage of everything he's already made available for us. What kind of parent buys a toy for their kid and then just tells them they have to look at it up on the shelf and doesn't let them play with it, but makes them aware that, oh yeah, there's there's a box up there and, and there's a toy in it, but you can't have it. You know, no parent does that. They want them to get that sucker out and they want them to play with it. And the same thing goes for Jesus. Jesus bought and purchased through his blood all these things and he wants you and I to utilize them. He wants us to take advantage of what he bought and purchased. I mean, he died the most gruesome death that you could even imagine. The word says that he was so marred and, and beaten and bruised, 
his countenance, you know, his body, it didn't even look like a man. You know, he didn't go through all that for us to not use what he bought for us to have. And it has nothing to do with your effort. It has nothing to do with your worthiness because you and I aren't worthy, but he made us worthy, okay? He made you and I awesome. So I just want to encourage you, keep running after Jesus. And as you draw close to him, he'll help you in this process of not focusing on all your faults and all the mistakes that we make, but rather he'll help you and I see ourselves the way that he sees us already. Thanks for listening and join us again next time on the Abundance Podcast.